Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Strange News Daily is a production of iHeart Media. In a world full of bizarre events, unsolved mysteries, and a billion stories from all corners of the globe, some news gets lost in the shuffle. This is your gateway to the stories on the fringe of the mainstream map. These are your dispatches in the dark. I'm Ben Bolin, and this is the Strange News Daily. Our first story today takes place in Limerick, Ireland, where two brothers who were described as unsung heroes have found themselves disappointed when they were told to stop cleaning up their local river. Billy and Andrew Greaves, who are both in their mid-50s, have been cleaning up the riverbank along the Condell Road for at least the past three weeks. Billy told a local newspaper that they were ordered to stop their cleanup operation by the Parks Department at Limerick City and County Council. He explains it this way. I was informed last Thursday that I needed to stop what I was doing because of the wildlife that's living among this rubbish. Soon after two guards arrived on the scene and seemed to be impressed with the amount of work that my brother and I had been doing, but then they informed us they received a phone call from someone in the council making a complaint. Sadly, we can no longer continue with this project, which we took upon our shoulders. I had hoped to use most of the trees the council had just butchered and just dropped on our shoreline. I intended to use the wood as stakes and as a barrier, to use it to make steps down to the riverbed and to make bird boxes from the driftwood. For the first time in people's lives, they can actually see the river and the landscape beyond. Mr. Greaves additionally said that he never came across any bird's nest or rats or any other living thing amongst all the trash he had collected by the riverbank. He said that the Limerick City Council haven't even got a litter bin, that's a trash can to us Yankees, along this stretch of walkway. I love my city and I love my country and I love the scenery out along the river. 
I'm always out the bank, but you won't find me walking it. I'm always down amongst the foliage. It gives you a different perspective. He concludes, if I upset anyone in City Hall, I'm very sorry. I just got stuck into clearing the riverbank and felt with a bit of work I could make something of it. In the last three weeks, myself and my brother cleaned up over two tons of rubbish. Everything from tires to prams, shopping trolleys, pipes, and steel. We've worked 12 hours a day trying to clean up the overgrowth, and people have been stopping to thank us for the work we're doing. Other members of the council chimed in, saying that they too were disappointed to hear the two brothers had been asked to stop their cleanup, with one council member going on the record to say, it's not every day you see people doing something for no personal gain. Civic pride is a rarity these days and should be encouraged and praised. I'm not sure of the exact reason they were asked to stop, and also I'm not aware of who would have asked them, but I will be seeking answers. They are definitely, the council person concludes, unsung heroes. It's a bit of a dilemma, right? Since the natural wildlife has adapted to live in the ruins of human pollution in their effort to conserve the natural environment, are these brothers helping or hurting the wildlife that lives there today? Our second story today takes us to China, where police are collecting blood samples from multiple men and boys across the country, hoping to build a genetic map of its estimated 700 million males. This would give the authorities a powerful new tool for their emerging surveillance state. Law enforcement has swept across the country since late 2017, collecting samples to build this vast DNA database. According to a study by the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, the authorities would be able to use this database to track down any man's male relatives using only that individual's blood, saliva, or other genetic material. And this is not entirely a homegrown initiative. U.S. tech companies are providing assistance. One American company, Thermo Fisher, is based in Massachusetts. They've sold testing kits to the Chinese police that are tailored to the police department's specification. American policymakers have previously criticized Thermo Fisher for selling this gear to the Chinese authorities, but the company has spoken up to defend itself. On a large scale, this project is a huge escalation of China's ongoing efforts to use genetic information to control its population. It's been focused on tracking ethnic minorities and other targeted groups. This wouldn't exist in a vacuum either. It is a piece in a large engine, a growing sophisticated surveillance state that's being deployed across the nation. It's a vast web that includes things like high-tech cameras, facial recognition systems, and AI algorithms. On their part, the police say they need this database because it will help them catch criminals, and they say that donors to the database consent to handing over their DNA. However, some officials in China, as well as human rights groups from other countries, say that a national DNA database will invade privacy and will also tempt officials to punish the relatives of dissidents and activists. These groups argue that the collection is being done without consent because the citizens who live in this authoritarian state don't really have a right to refuse. And the program itself is running into an unusual amount of domestic opposition. 
Maya Wong, who is a China researcher for Human Rights Watch, says the ability of the authorities to discover who is most intimately related to whom, given the context of the punishment of entire families as the result of one person's activism, is going to have a chilling effect on society as a whole. To the nature of consent, there are multiple examples of individuals who say that they did not willingly agree to submit their DNA. Law enforcement authorities told one Jiang Haolin, who's a mid-30s computer engineer from a rural area in northern China, that if blood was not collected, his household would be listed as what's called a, quote, black household. This listing would deprive him and his family members of benefits like the right to travel or the right to visit a hospital. The impetus for this massive campaign can be traced back to a crime spree that occurred in the northern Chinese region of Inner Mongolia. For almost 30 years, police in the area investigated the sexual assault and murders of 11 women and girls, one as young as eight years old. They collected over 230,000 fingerprints, they sifted through more than 100,000 DNA samples, and they offered the equivalent of a $28,000 reward. In 2016, they arrested a man on unrelated bribery charges, and when they analyzed his genes, they found he was related to whomever had left their DNA at the site of the 2005 killing of one of these victims. That person, which they found through the DNA, confessed to the crimes and was later executed. This was the match to the flame spurring the state media to call for the creation of this national database. China already has the world's largest collection of genetic material, totaling around 80 million profiles, according to their official state media. But the earlier DNA gathering efforts were way more focused and way less comprehensive. Law enforcement was targeting criminal suspects or groups that they considered to be potentially destabilizing forces. Think of things like migrant workers in some neighborhood. And to the point about ethnic minority groups, police have already gathered DNA of the Uyghurs as a way to tighten the party's control over these minorities. According to Hu Bangjun, a spokesperson for Anke Bioengineering, his company is using the male DNA database to build what they call a DNA Skynet. Skynet is China's policing system that combines video surveillance with algorithms and big data. While the local opposition to the plan is understandable, it's also, again, anomalous. Normally, the citizens of China have accepted intrusions into their internet use and other data of what would be considered your personal life. But DNA collection is not regulated under the laws of the country, so officials are rightly worried that the public would react negatively to a broad database that contains their genetic secrets and family ties. We'll continue with updates as the situation develops. Our third story today, the Aunt Jemima brand of syrup and pancake mix is going to get a new name and a new image. This is according to a recent announcement by Quaker Oats, which says the company recognizes that Aunt Jemima's origins are based on a racial stereotype. This brand is 130 years old. It prominently features a black woman named Aunt Jemima who was originally dressed as a minstrel character. Over time, the brand and the logo have evolved. 
In recent years, Quaker removed the mammy kerchief from the character in an effort to blunt the growing criticism that the brand was actively perpetrating a racist stereotype dating back to the days of chattel slavery in the U.S., Quaker, which is, by the way, a subsidiary of PepsiCo, said that removing the image and the name is part of the effort on the company's part to make progress toward racial equality. In a recent press release, the vice president and chief marketing officer of Quaker Foods North America said, we recognize Aunt Jemima's origins are based on a racial stereotype. As we work to make progress toward racial equality through several initiatives, we must also take a hard look at our portfolio of brands and ensure they reflect our values and meet our customers' expectations. They concluded that the company has worked to update the brand to be appropriate and respectful, but realizes those changes were insufficient. Aunt Jemima has faced renewed criticism recently amid the protests across the United States and around the world, sparked by the death of George Floyd while in the custody of the Minneapolis police. People on social media called out the brand for continuing to perpetrate this racist imagery, and they also discussed the history of the logo. The topic was trending on Twitter. Rache Richardson, an associate professor at Cornell University, has a great point about this, saying that retiring Aunt Jemima matters because while the logo might seem like a small or symbolic thing, it is a retrograde image of black womanhood on store shelves, an image that harkens back to the antebellum plantation. Aunt Jemima, says Richardson, is that kind of stereotype that is premised on this idea of black inferiority and otherness. It is urgent, Richardson says, to expunge our public spaces of a lot of these symbols that for some people are triggering and represent terror and abuse. As for Quaker Oats, the company's own timeline of the product says Aunt Jemima was first, quote, brought to life by Nancy Green, a black woman who was formerly enslaved and became the face of the product way back in 1890. In 2015, a judge dismissed a lawsuit against the company by two men who claimed to be descendants of the actual Anna Harrington, a black woman who began portraying Aunt Jemima in the 1930s. These two men said the company did not properly compensate her estate with royalties. So when does this new packaging appear? Quaker says we can expect the new packaging to come about in the fall of this year, along with a new name for the foods, which has yet to be announced. That's all for now. We've been asking you to chime in with suggestions for stories you think your fellow listeners should know about, to hit us with your best or worst bad dad jokes and puns, or to tell us about your personal experience with COVID-19, the ongoing protest, and more. Let us know what's going on in your neck of the global woods by tagging hashtag StrangeDaily on Twitter, or reach out to me directly. I'm at HSW on Twitter or at BenBullen on Instagram. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, our research associate, Sam Teagarden, and most importantly, thanks to you. I'm Ben Bolin. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, stay strange. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. 
Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.